Dear Shanghai fans, dear Shanghai trash, real Shanghai goods, and fake lawwise. Today's special sponsor, Shanghai fashionistas. Goldy colors, polka dots, flowery patterns, questionable color combination, dubious fabrics, and transparent male socks. Dear man purses full of middle-aged Chinese armpit sweat. Dear female denim short shorts that leave less to the imagination than a Hollywood blockbuster trailer. Dear pseudo hipsters with more sartorial mishaps than Liberace on speed. Dear French effeminate yuppies with Armani flip-flops, Lacoste pastel Bermuda shorts, and weird polo shirts tied around your French necks. Dear middle-aged Chinese housewives with pearl tower high hairdos, tight spandex leggings, white dragon patterns on mauve polyester fabric. Dear under-the-tit male leather belts, fake leather loafers, and nondescript trousers with dots. Dear fishnet tights. Dear underage prissy millionaires' wives with tight lips, an inch of whitening cream on your face, monster flies eyes sunglasses, and a Porsche car around your meager body. I oddly love the eclectic stampede of visual molestation my eyes suffer on a daily basis, but do not object to the increasing revealing of flesh congruent to the incoming of warmer weather. Oh well. Welcome to the 15th edition of Shanghai Comedy Corner Podcast, the only podcast that brings you fashionable audio trends, MSG-free humor, and clear sky jokes. I'm talking to you from the endlessly famous 72 Collective Recording Studio out here in Southern Shuhe District, rubbing your ear with ha-ha wax and ferociously bringing you fun and people of note via Shanghai Comedy Corner. This week... Former New Zealand Royal Navy member and amazing Shanghai-based actor David Earl. Hello, David. <laughs> wow. I don't think I've ever had such an amazing intro. Thank you. Um, listening to your blurb about the school, about the, uh, the the clothing, I thought you were actually telling the listeners what I was wearing today. <laughs> so very much along those lines. Um, but I'm a little bit more concerned with that. Thank you, Julian. It's a great, great pleasure to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you. Thank you. Um, uh, it's, it's lovely. I love being on radio. Um, and this is good stuff. I, I, I just enjoy chatting. Yes, so. I know you do. That's why I invited you over and you, uh, and you volunteer it. Um, you can follow us, everyone, and comment on the show at Twitter at SH Comedy Corner. Go to our website, shanghaicomedycorner.com, or send us an email at shanghaicomedycorner.gmail.com. And before we, uh, I go and ask questions about your fabulous life, <laughs> uh, I'd just like to share one piece of news this week okay. about um, local media in China. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting this from this fantastic website. If you don't, it's called World of Chinese. It's really cool. And it reports that a woman surnamed Liang brought two female friends to dine at a grilled fish, fish restaurant. But after half an hour feasting, they turned the fish only to spot a bright pink condom lying on the bottom of the plate. So the fish... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Out of all things you can find in a fish, right? So the female <laughs> manager claims that she demanded 100,000 renminbi in compensation or she'd have to eat it. Since obviously the manager couldn't afford to lose such a ridiculous amount of money on behalf of her employer, she swallowed the condom mm. there and then to end the dispute once and for all. However, Leung insists that she never asked the manager to actually swallow it and that it was purely a rhetorical idea. She's denied putting the condom there herself, but the restaurant said the condom would have melted during the grilling if they had put it there. So 
uh, in absence of surveillance camera, <laughs> one can only say, well... Well, one can only say, this is China, isn't it? And <laughs> if anything's going to happen anywhere, it's like that. Yes. It's so bizarre. It's quite likely to happen here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Have you ever had strange thing in your food in, in China? Luckily, no, it was certainly nothing like that. I mean, there's been the odd live snail walk across my plate. Oh, wow. Um, from, a, you know, from a salad, okay. for example. But no, nothing so exotic as a condom. And of course, then it begs the question, was it used or not? Or was it fresh out of the packet? You know? <laughs> One can only, um, let's not go let's there. Let's not go there. there. <laughs> yeah, just too much information, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it funny, though, that you said that because... Just a few months ago, I was reading on the international news, a fisherman in Norway mm. caught a lovely big schnapper. He mm. was out in the fjords fishing, brought up this sort of five kilo snapper. When he gutted it and opened the fish up, inside was a dildo. Oh. <laughs> the fish, and it was orange. So <laughs> like the detail. Assume, so the... The uh, the fish obviously was swimming along. Oh, that looks like a nice fish swallowed. Oh, and right. of course it was a plastic dildo. So there we are. Not only in China, but <laughs> <laughs> even the fish of Norway have got exotic tastes. Uh, um, I, ha I had scary thing. I found glass in a oh, hamburger. Really? Yeah, pieces of glass, and oh. I was lucky to feel it before swallowing. Before it. actually swallowing. Yeah, yes. and I spit it out with a little bit of blood from my gum and. Right. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the guy just profusely apologized. I think I, right. I talked to it on the second podcast or something. Okay. It was it was quite scary. Uh, that is scary, yes. No, I mean, you, you do hear of, obviously, all sorts of horrible things coming up in food. But no, touch mm. wood, and to my great relief, I've been very, very lucky here. Mm. Um, and I haven't come across anything like that. Okay. Well, I wish... I live and wait. Yeah, live and wait. Maybe <laughs> you'll be lucky to have yeah. a, a condom come your way. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, oh, I'm really, really happy to have you here, and you. Um, let's let's recap a little bit for, for our listeners who mm -hmm. you are. Okay. Um, so, where are you from? Okay, yeah. Well, let's we wind it back. Um, there's a few decades ago now when I <laughs> when my mother popped me into the world. Um, she popped me out in Somerset in the southwest of England. Okay, tiny little town called Minehead mm -hmm. um, on the on the Bristol Channel. And at that time, we were living there. We stayed there. Um, mum and dad were still married. Um, and then when I was five, mum and dad divorced. Uh, my mother consequently married an ex-British Royal Naval man. Okay. Um, and then we moved off of my hometown. We went to a tiny little village called Alton Pancras in Dorset, in the, in the county of Dorset. Mm, we're that's a near beautiful place. Oh, yeah. it's beautiful. It's, it is that whole southwest of England is a fabulously beautiful part mm. of the country. And even though um, I'm now a New Zealander, when I go back to Somerset, I just love driving around down mm. there. And I love going back to Minehead. Um, mm. the, the, the baskets of flowers on the streets, especially in the summer. Do you still have family um, there? Or? I don't. Well, well, yes, I do. Um, I say mum and dad divorced, mum remarried, and my father married a lady called Vera, mm. right? And they subsequently had three children. Okay. So essentially, I've got two half-brothers, uh, sorry, two half-sisters and a half-brother. Mm. Um, my father's passed away, and then Vera, essentially my stepmother, mm. she passed away a couple of years after dad. I think she, she missed him terribly. Mm. Um, and although mum and dad divorced... I think it was right for them. 
Um, Dad married this lady, Vera. They were together for the rest of their lives, and they had a fabulously happy marriage and had and three children. So I've never, ever regretted the fact that mum and dad didn't stay together. Mum remarried. She married another guy called David, who, would you believe it or not, has the same birthday as me. Oh, wow. Which was yesterday. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> him and I, both May the 15th, mm. both called David. Oh, wow. Um, so it's kind of, kind of strange that. But they married, um, and as I say, my father had, my stepfather, I should say, he had been in the British Royal Navy, and he'd been to New Zealand and Australia in his travels. Mm. And his younger brother had emigrated to Australia. And I think my stepfather wanted to get to Australia as well. Mm. Um, he didn't want to stay in England, really. There wasn't much work for him there. He was a builder uh, and a carpenter. Um, but along the way, he applied for a job in New Zealand and was offered the job. Okay. And I guess he would have thought, well, if I can get to New Zealand, then Australia is just a, a pop across the Tasman. It's not very far. Um, but as it turned out, we went to New Zealand, but he never left. Um, mm. He stayed in New Zealand. He fell in love with the players? Well, or... Whether he fell in love or... But he got working and he was he was a workaholic. Okay. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, he died of drink in the end. Um, but he was a very, very hard worker. And I think he just settled into life uh, in this tiny little place called Gisborne. Okay. Which is on the east coast of the North Island for anybody out there who knows New Zealand at all. Hello, New Zealand. It's about mm -hmm. halfway down the east coast of the North Island. Okay. Um, you don't go to Gisborne on the way to anywhere else. You go... <laughs> To, to Gisborne. Gisborne. <laughs> yeah, it's the end of the road. And then the, there is a road that goes all up around East Cape, but it's a very secondary road. Mm. And yeah, so we emigrated when I was 14. Okay. Oh, you um, were, you know, a young yeah, lad. Yeah, mm. and that was back in 1967. Okay. Um, we, we made the move. We went out by sea. We went out on the Southern Cross. Wow. I can still remember. I can still see it on that ship. Um, four weeks. Took us four weeks to sail to New Zealand. Um, of course, now you do it by plane. Mm. Um, mm. And then, yes, then we took the rail car up the coast to Gisborne. Oh, wow. And there we are in Gisborne. And then I finished my schooling there. I, I did the last two years of my high school. Mm. And I was never very good academically, and I'm, I'm not particularly good with my hands. I don't have that craftsman sort of hands. My sister has that. My sister is an amazing sewer. Mm. She 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 just makes beautiful clothes, bags. Um, we have a daughter now, and my sister made this beautiful blanket. It's a quilt. Mm. All these little bits of material that she's hand-stitched together and sewn up. Wow. And it's just this, it's a work of art. So my sister got those talents. And then it was coming up to school leaving, and I thought, hmm. <laughs> what do I do? Um, I thought, well, I'm not good with my hands. A friend of mine, he became a carpenter. And I thought, well, I'm no good at any of that. And I really, in Gisborne, I thought, God, I had no idea what I was going to do. Mm. And then one day, the Navy recruiters came to town. Yep. And they came to the school. And I, um, I was an amateur radio. I was a ham radio operator. Oh, there yeah? you go. CQ, CQ, CQ. Yeah? <laughs> All that sort of stuff. And I... I I love radio, mm. and I guess this is why I enjoy being here. Mm. Um, I love being in front of the microphone. And the, the recruiters came to town. I thought, oh, well, I'll go and do the test and see what, you know, yeah. see what, what. As it turned out, um, they were recruiting radio communicators, which was one of the branches they were recruiting for. I did the test. I obviously passed the test mm. because, lo and behold, about four weeks later, my mother got a letter 
from the Navy Department to wow. say that your son, David Arthur Earl, has been accepted to join the Royal New Zealand Navy. Please present himself at the Naval Base Gates wow. on the 21st of May, 1969. Wow. And I did. And what amazes me now when I look back, my mother put me on a bus mm. in Gisborne. She had absolutely no idea where I was going because we'd only been in New Zealand two years. Our ship arrived in Wellington at the bottom of the North Island. Mm. We took a train to Gisborne. We'd never been outside of Gisborne. And now my mother was putting money a bus to go to Auckland. She would have had absolutely no idea oh. where I was going, whether she would ever see me again. Yeah. And, I, and I can see her now with a little brown paper bag of sandwiches. Mm. Here we are, darling. Have a good trip. Oh, wow. You know, and put me on this bus and was, off I went. Was it an emotional moment? I can't recall it as such it probably was for her mm. i was just okay i'm off to join the navy i'm sitting on the bus and off i go was she the sort of woman to to to, to display any emotional she does but yeah it's not not she's not gushing in any way like sure. that so no i think she and looking back i can see her standing there sort of and i saw there was a tear in her eye mm. as she sort of waved as i went past <laughs> um yeah and so i think that i i've, I've said it to mum now i said that was very brave of you yeah. to just send me off like that, not knowing if and when I would ever come back. And it was actually my stepfather could, that convinced her. And he said, look, he's going to join the Navy. The Navy will look after him. Mm. It's okay. He's not going to come to any harm. Yeah. You know, um, I did come to some harm, but <laughs> um, not anything life-threatening. Uh, and it was all for the good of my my personality and well-being in the end. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, that was that was the start of my working career, um, and, and I became a radio operator. You, you, so did you stay? Because I have to tell listeners now mm -hmm. that you stayed in the navy for twenty-two years. Yep, twenty-two years. Were you yep. a, a, a radio? Um, uh, I was a radio operator. Operator yes. for the twenty-two years. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. I joined the navy as a junior radioman, mm. um, the lowest rank you could go in, um, and I was the youngest person in our intake because um, I joined the Navy five days after my 16th birthday. Oh, right. I mean, essentially, maturity, I was still yeah. 15 um, yeah. You know, yeah. when, I, when I joined the service. Um, and then, yes, I did. When I joined, at that time, the, the engagement rules were that you signed up for eight years mm. and you essentially couldn't leave unless you paid. Oh, wow. Basically, you had to pay back the to money back that the, the money, government yeah. had invested in you. Mm. And then around about year five, I think it was, 1974, the government changed the rules. And now when you join the Navy, you join for 20 years, Whoa. but you have the right to resign. Okay. And you can either give three months, six months, or a year's notice. Okay. Um, and so then all of us who were under the eight-year contract were asked, do we want to stay under the eight years mm. or are we happy to go on to the 20-year contract. And I was, yeah, what was I, 24, 25 at that time, the young mm. 20s, and I was loving it. I, I loved my job. Mm. I enjoyed being a radio operator. It was at a time when it was a lot of hands-on with the radios, not all this computerized stuff that we have today. Um, getting the radio on the right frequency was a skill, mm. um, and I thoroughly enjoyed my job. Oh, wow. And, of course, I was being sent around. I was at sea. You know, um, I first came to Singapore um, when I was 17 and a half. 
um, back in 1971 mm. and loved it. So, yeah, so I was quite happy to sign on to the new agreement. I was going to leave it about 10 years. I got to a point where oh, need a change. Yeah. Shall I go? And I actually put in my resignation at 10 years. Um, and I went away. I, I was working at one of our shore stations and I went home for a long weekend. And while I was at home, I auditioned to be a radio announcer for 2ZG in Gisborne, the FM radio station. I think it was AM in those days, I think. Oh. <laughs> um, and I did this audition and failed miserably. Um, at one point, I was asked to speak um, off the cuff for two minutes on cheese. Okay. <laughs> I think I lasted 17 seconds. <laughs> completely dried up. The, how on earth can you keep going on cheese? But obviously these commercial radio announcers, mm. they just have that gift of the gap. And so I failed that. I went back to work and my boss called me into his office and he said, Earl, <laughs> what do you want to do? He says, do you want to leave the Navy now and be a bum for the rest of your life? Mm. Or do you want to stay in, get promoted and make a man of yourself? I thought, well, sir. <laughs> Put it so, put it like that. How can I refuse? <laughs> and he ripped up the resignation at, at mm. that point. And then, yes, and then I basically signed on. And I did my 20 years. I was offered an extension around about year 17. They offered me to stay on until the age of 45. Mm. I accepted that. I only did two and a half years of my extension, though. Um, I got to a point, I just finished a new project. Mm. Um, we were installing a new communication system in both Australia and New Zealand for all our land-based um, um, defense, defense bases. I was posted to Australia to learn the system. I worked over there. I trained over there. I also wrote the New Zealand training manuals for that system. I then went home to Wellington. I went into defense headquarters, and then I started training up all the Kiwis. Mm. And I traveled up and down the country going to all our bases, um, Army, Air Force, and Navy. And training everybody up. And then when I finished that, I thought, it's time to go now. Mm. That was a wrap-up point. I could see me just being posted back doing jobs I'd done before, sitting mm. behind desk. I'd already Old been. Jobs, yeah. And I thought, there isn't a great deal more of a challenge for me now. And I thought, okay, I've done my time. It's time for me to go let somebody else be promoted up into my place. And so, yeah, so I left after 22 years. Um, and I've never regretted that. Thoroughly enjoy my Navy career, and I, I would I would do it again tomorrow. Yeah. I have absolutely <laughs> no regrets <laughs> of that time in the service. But at the same time, I was not sorry when I left. It was time to go. It was it felt right, and it was, still feels right now. And that was twenty years ago. Wow. Well, I'm sure you you have lots of amazing stories to tell about your time in the Navy. Yeah. And I was lucky to... If I was sober enough to remember some of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was lucky to hear one of them. Yes, you did. At the storytelling event. Yes. Um, one of the last episodes uh, that I broadcast here was about Mama Gusha uh -huh. storytelling event. Right. And... Um, Two storytelling, two, two storytelling events ago, uh -huh. uh, the theme was um, the theme was the seven sins or the something. Seven deadly sins. Seven yes. deadly yeah. sins. And you told yeah. us, uh, I won't yeah, reveal the story because you had to be there. And yeah, but it was, it, it was an amazing story of self discovery. <laughs> let's put it that way. That, yes, it was that. And. And a, a bit of sex. Yeah, um, was, yeah that, that, that did come along. That did come along. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> yeah. um, that was a, an amazing story. And then I discovered you, uh, I met you actually mm. the first time 
was it a year or two ago when you directed me in yes, the show yeah. well, the, it's about a year ago now, yeah it was it? about a year ago mm. um, in the show the i mean the universal, play the yeah. universal language yes. it was part of a night of one acts yes uh put up by east west theater yep. and uh i was in the last act with uh barbara yeah who uh, we uh, say hello to. Hello, and, Barbara. Uh, we know she's in Shanghai now yes, for a little yeah. while. Nice before. to see you back. Nice to see you back, Barbara. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, you directed me in this wonderful David Ives play. Yep. Completely, you know, completely silly and crazy. It was, wasn't it? it was, and um, yeah, and that's um, where I met you, and and it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that, and and I can tell you, um, I'll tell you now that. You were an amazing find as well. Oh, thank I you. was so so pleased when <laughs> when we did cast you, um, and that was with the help of Barbara. So well done, yes. Barbara. Um, Thanks. A good thank good you. talent scout. Yeah. Um, and it was so much fun working with you mm. and Barbara on that play. And I, when I look back, I can't see anyone else now <laughs> in that role. Thank you. You you brought a very special something to that role. Thank you. A one act play didn't go for long, mm. but you really brought it alive the two of you did yeah it was and a lot of fun it, it was, was it's it's right up my alley with crazy silly yeah. uh stuff but done mm. seriously mm. and that's what the character of of don does in the play absolutely it's all about being silly but mm. he does it so seriously that he believes in it and the and student believes it even more than himself and there's a lovely there's a lovely story behind that there's a yeah. great you know and we didn't i i, I didn't quite pick on to that story when we first started rehearsing that, mm. it was as we were rehearsing, think, wow, this guy's got a message here. Yeah. <laughs> people, so many people are lost in this world. Mm. And that funny thing called Unamunda <laughs> was a way that your character was really desperately alone. Yeah. And then in comes Barbara uh, as, the, as the lady who's going to learn Unamunda. Yeah. And it was a discovery for her. And she realized how much she was alone. Yeah. And I thought that was just a lovely, lovely way to show mm. how there are a huge amount of very lonely people out there. Yeah. And they just need that one thing <laughs> that brings them alive. Yeah. Whatever it might be. Yeah. Language. I really encourage the listeners to read David Ives or go see yep. a, a play if, mm. if you're lucky because he he did a lot of improv you know he was his main work was based in improv and right. he wrote this place out of improv mm. scenes that he that he was part of or saw and uh, there was the other one that same night called Sure Thing yep. which is uh, inspired by a very famous improv game called Sure Ding where right. uh, whereby you change the last thing you say every time you hear the yeah, ding hear from the, the caller so it's a very funny game to play yeah. because it goes very crazy directions, and uh, it's it's that was the other play too, mm. and, and that was fun too. That was a lot uh, of fun. Fern and Alex, they they yes. really brought that. They gave that a special something, didn't yes. they? It was a lot of fun that yeah. night. It was yeah, a lot of it fun. Was. Yeah. So um, thank you to East West for putting it on. Yeah, um, and it allowed me to to meet you. Yes. And so I'd like to to tell I mean to ask you for our listeners, how mm. did you end up doing all this stage work? I know you were on the radio and you had a sense of voice and yep. poise and composure and diction probably and a, a good ear, but that's what I'm just inferring. Mm. But um, why the stage? How did you come around to uh, auditioning or doing wow. stuff for the stage? There, there lies another story, doesn't it? It actually started when I was eight. Oh, wow. Um, I went on stage. I was in a pantomime mm -hmm. back in the UK um, as a little boy. 
I think if I remember rightly, I had to walk onto the stage and I had a crate of milk bottles. Mm -hmm. And all I had to do was shake them a little bit and go, milk ho, and walk off. Yeah. But. <laughs> I like the but. Instead of shaking them backwards and forwards, I shook them up and down. <laughs> I've now got milk bottles rolling around the stage. So I said my line, milk ho, spent the next two minutes picking up all the milk bottles, putting them <laughs> back in the crate. And I can see my mum going, oh, no, that's my boy. <laughs> no, David, that's not the life for you. But the thing is, I actually, I, I loved it. Mm, you were hooked. Um, I was. Um, and I... I then did, I did a lot of nativity plays, okay. you know, Christmas plays, yeah. um, back in England, which is a very popular thing. Unfortunately, I never got promoted beyond shepherd. <laughs> um, so I never Aww. got to play Jesus. And I Aww. certainly, and this is obviously they knew something because I was never a wise man. <laughs> I was always the lowest. They were on to something. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, this is the writing on the wall there, David. <laughs> Take this on board. Um, but I loved it. And I, I did um, all the stage plays I could do while I was at school. Mm. My last play in England was The 17th Highwayman, I think. Okay. Um, and I nearly took out my fellow actor's eye because we had a sword fight and we actually had made metal swords in oh, metalwork. Oh, dear. Um, and, yeah, I, I actually grazed him under his eye um, wow. on one stage one night. Um, so I, whoever you are, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, and I hope you still got two, eye, two eyes and good eyesight. <laughs> but, yeah, that was, that was back in England. And then, and then we emigrated. And we went to, this, as I say, this little place called Gisborne. And Gisborne was really, there was not much theatre there. Mm. And I went to an all-boys school, right? It was rugby. Right. right. Now, as you know, I'm not overly built, <laughs> right? So I don't work well on a rugby paddock, right? <laughs> you can easily pick me up and throw me off the sideline. Um, so I wasn't into rugby, mm. um, but I was into acting and singing. But... It was such a sort of a macho school that you were there was something wrong with you if you wanted to be in the singing class, let yeah. alone the drama class. Yeah. And so I completely walked away from that. Oh. I just turned my back on it. But followed the second love of radio. Mm. Had my naval career, as we talked about. And then when I left the service, I was working. Um, I got a job teaching um, because after 22 years in the service, what do you do? You leave at this yeah. age, well, now what do yeah. I do? <laughs> You know, and I thought, oh. and I thought back and I thought, well, the one thing I kind of was good at was teaching mm -hmm. um, because in your Navy career, at some point you will go and teach your trade, mm. right? You start teaching the, the new recruits. Yeah, you train people. Yeah, you train them up. And I found that I thoroughly enjoyed it. And on my Navy reports, there was always very good comments mm. on my ability to instruct. And so when I left the service, I thought, well, okay, well, what was I good at? Well, I was good at teaching and I enjoyed it. So I ended up becoming a, um, a what was I? I was teaching Microsoft Office. Oh, wow. I was teaching long-term unemployed people. Okay. Right. So it was basically a vocational school. Oh, that's nice. School. Um, and it was good. Yeah. And there, there was some very rewarding moments in there when you see somebody who's down on their luck, they've lost their job, um, and then you give them some training and you see them picking themselves up and go ahead again. Mm, and I think, that's cool. beautiful. That was lovely. It was really great. And while I was working for this place, Avonmore Tertiary Academy at the time, and there was a lady working with me, um, Kate, and she said, no, David, she said, you should be on a stage. Oh, wow. And I thought, hmm. And I, she must have said it often enough. <laughs> One day I went to school and I thought, oh, I wonder if I could. And then... 
I thought to myself, I don't want to be an old man and think, I wonder if I could have. Mm. And so I had to find out because I, I thought back to my days in, of school in England, how much I enjoyed the stage. And I thought, oh, could I do it? Could I get back up on a stage you know, after all these years? And I thought, I've got to find out. I went to work one day, picked up the yellow pages and rang all the theatre companies in Christchurch. I'd, I was now living in Christchurch in the South Island. And this lady called Wendy Steeds um, from Original Scripts, I rang her and she said, well, what are you doing tonight? And I said, uh, coming to see you, I guess. <laughs> she said, yes, we're, right having, we're having auditions tonight. <laughs> so off I went and I, I auditioned. She was doing one act mm -hmm. um, and she put me in five one act plays. And said, Just Wendy, like that. No. <laughs> I got it down to three. <laughs> but yeah, and then came opening night and we'd rehearsed and I, I'm sitting backstage for the first of these plays thinking, oh my God, what am I doing? Why am I here? Oh, this is going to be terrible. I don't know what it's going to be like out there. I'm going to forget everything. Walked on stage and within five minutes, I was completely and utterly at home. Hmm. Just, it was there. It was your element. It was there. And I cover for somebody who dropped some lines and just, I settled right into it. And I thought, this is where I want to be. Wow, this is an amazing story. Oh, it's, it's, and it was such a wonderful feeling. And then mm. afterwards they said, so what are you going to do, Dave? I said, try and keep me away. Mm. And so then, yes, I, I, um, I started acting regularly. Um, I've never been a professional actor. Um, and now I'm still in the teaching field. I, I teach English language at All the right. moment. Yeah. But no, acting has always been that great, great passion. Yeah, um, and, I, and I next saw you, the first time I saw you acting mm -hmm. was in Glengarry. Glenn mm, Ross. Glengarry Glenn Ross. And it was a production yes. of Urban Aphrodite yep. at um, Sasha's, Sasha's yep. uh, upstairs at Sasha's. So listeners, if you like theater and if you still don't know who are behind, who is behind Urban Aphrodite, go and see one of their fantastic shows. Yeah. And they are on this weekend and next weekend. They've just opened Five Course Love. Five Course Love. You yeah. definitely don't want to miss that. And it's the first time they do dinner theater. Yes. Uh, at Sasha's on the third floor, which uh, is they're doing it on the second. Oh, they're, sorry, they're actually using the restaurant on the second floor. Second floor, yeah. so it's a brand new form yep. that she has hasn't seen a lot, yep. I think. So you'll be part of a special event. Yeah, you would be. Yeah, and, so uh, um, the, the there's only three actors in this play. All three of them are fabulous people. Yeah, um, I've I know watched them. Uh, I've worked with them. Yeah, I know two of them. I know J.P. Lopez. Yeah, and I know Deju. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the third person. Kate, I think it is. Kate. Yeah. And but I, I know that it's going to be a yeah. um, great place. Yeah. And uh, actually, JP, and JP's fabulous. Deji uh, is just a lovely, lovely guy. Deji is a um, fantastic actor. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful dancer. Dancer. Yes. I, I was about to say the same yeah. thing. I was in a yeah. show with him uh, for SRT oh, earlier okay. on, and um, it's just beautiful. Yeah. And I want to say also on a. Uh, give a shout out to my friend James Cullen, who's the musician who's going to be there oh, yes. accompanying. And he's part of this Mac improv team as an improviser. Is he's, he really? He, and he's helping us a lot for our wow. shows because we can do songs, we can do yeah. background music at any moment. And he's just an amazing he's pianist. He's an amazing, isn't he? He's because just, he was also a musician for Willy Wonka. Yeah, he just picks it up. Yeah. He just picks and, it up. And so when I was, I had to, I was Grandpa Joe in Willy mm. Wonka a, a couple of weeks ago. And so James was a, was a, accompanying me when I sang I've Got a Golden Ticket. And yeah, 
such an easy guy to work with. Yeah. Very good on the keyboard. Um, there was one time I actually missed a music cue, mm. and he just kept it going. Yep. Kept it going until I came back in. You know, he's very professional. Yeah. He's used yeah. to working with And a with nice people. guy. Yeah. So, hi, James. Hi, James. Yeah. And uh, and that was a, a fantastic experience, just seeing you on stage. And I thoroughly enjoyed I mean, yeah. <coughs> not just me. It's not just me being nice right. to you. I think you had a very popular show, you know. And We did. And uh, apparently that was the first time a show actually did extra performances yeah. here in Shanghai. Yeah. Um, the... Yeah, the audience response was so good. We were getting so many bookings that um, Anne James, who's the executive product, producer, mm -hmm. I should say, of Urban Aphrodite, sent us a text one day and said, listen, guys, would you be, are you available to do an extra two shows? That's amazing. Uh, and we said, yeah. That's the most gratifying thing ever. Oh, yes. I was myself in a French play last year and mm -hmm. same thing happened. Right. We did uh, six shows before May, the May break mm -hmm. and it was so popular that people, you know, asked for more and we did three more shows yeah. and it was fantastic. Um, I'm going to interrupt the interview just a few minutes sure. to talk about what's going on in Shanghai at the moment, what's okay. not to miss. Uh, obviously, I go every week about the different improv shows and the dis different stand-up shows. Mm -hmm. uh, this week is not no different from other weeks. Uh, you've got the Mac shows on Thursdays. You've got the PRC shows on Thursdays too. Uh, you've got open mics at 390 every Tuesday. You've got open mics at Kung Fu Comedy Club, who's also putting a very good professional uh, headliners at the weekends. And the next one is called Matt Davis. Uh, check out kungfucomedyclub.com, mm. comedy with a K. The next one up is Ari Shafir. So they, they're inviting uh, very good people mm. and also showcasing local people, local expats and Chinese people who are very good and and working really hard mm -hmm. to make a fantastic show. So go and check it out, kungfucomedyclub.com, comedy with a K. So that's at the 390? That's, uh, no, that's at the that's at the Kung Fu Comedy Club. Oh, that's okay. at Massey Bar. 390 right. is different. Right. They also do, uh, open, they do just do open mics on Tuesdays. Right. And Kung Fu Comedy Club also does open mics on different days. So go check out their WeChat or their um, website. And last but not least, Whose Line Is It Anyway?, by the Punchline Comedy Club is doing his uh, annual Asia tour and uh, they're coming to Shanghai. They have cool. two dates. It's next week, Friday the 23rd and Saturday the 24th. Saturday, uh, Friday is at uh, Zapatas at mm -hmm. the Hacienda level and uh, the 24th it's in Pudong at the Kerry okay. Hotel something. So check it out on the Punchline Comedy Club website, Punchline Comedy Club website mm -hmm. and you might be lucky and witness, if you go there, Stephen Frost. And Stephen Frost, for those who don't know, was one of the original members of the British radio and TV series of Whose Line Is It Anyway, ah, way really? back then. Wow. So he's still doing his, strutting his cool. stuff, and he's hilarious, as you can believe. Yeah. You know, he's got his very tall, bald, and very dark, bushy eyebrows. He's very famous for that. So he's, he's a riot, mm. and they all are. Yeah. And uh, if I'm lucky, I'll get him to say a few words for the podcast when he comes around Shanghai. Excellent. Yes. And um, so... Go and support the many talented people in Shanghai or coming to Shanghai. There's lots of things happening in Shanghai. Mm -hmm. um, all details on shanghaicommunitycorner.com if you have missed uh, some of these details. Uh, let's go back to, to you, Dave. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, 
I'd like you know to ask uh, a little bit more personal questions now, right. so people know you a little bit, you know, and get to know you and get to like Stand you. Stand by, folks. This is not going to be easy. <laughs> All right, children, get away from the radio. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> um, so you've been in China how many years? Usual question. First to start off. Yeah, um, this is my second visit. Um, I was here for three. Okay. Left for two, and just coming up to being back for two. All right. So coming up to five years in total now. In total. In so you're a teacher. You teaching yep. uh, academic business communications at Shanghai yep. Uni. Yes. Uh, you're also teaching public speaking skills to young learners and developing a drama curriculum for mm. to use in Chinese high schools. Yeah. That's very impressive. Yeah. That's cool. I'm I'm really enjoying that work, and it was an opportunity that was um, passed on to me from Anne James. Thank you, Anne. Mm -hmm. Um, to pick up this work to develop a curriculum uh, of drama. Mm. And for a while now, I've been wanting to move away from pure English language teaching. Mm. My work at Shanghai University, I work up at the Jardin campus, um, teaching this business, uh, academic business communications course. And that's fine, but it's time for me to move away from just pure language. Right. Um, I've been doing it since 2000. It's been many, many years now. Um, and I'm, I, I'm tired of it, I guess. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, as, you, as every, yeah. everyone does. And, um, and I've doing this public speaking has been great because although I'm still working with the language, I'm teaching you now how to use it mm. rather than getting the language into you. Yeah. You know, how can you use this language to express yourself in a public speaking way? And then the drama, yeah, I'm teaching at a, um, a sort of a junior high school. Mm -hmm. um, I have these fabulous children. Um, they're about 12, 13 years old. Wow. And they're just amazing kids to work with. Um, Chinese, but they do have a very good level of English um, because it's, this is all taught with English as the language the, the medium yeah. yeah the medium yeah and oh, they they're just so much fun to work with I've, i've really really enjoyed it and it's it's given me a boost i guess i've i've been getting a little bit tired and sort of not so enthusiastic about teaching but these kids have really given me a shot in the arm um, and so now i'm looking at developing that more mm. and moving away from pure language teaching and doing more creative stuff which of course allows me to use my acting That's great. That's Skills fantastic. As well. yeah. So if if um you don't you know it's we don't find you on the internet. We don't you know. No. But but where would people bump into you uh, in Shanghai? Where, where where's what's your hangout? Well, what's, 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 around the French concession. Around the French yeah. concession. Yeah. Um, Sasha's. Okay. Um, obviously, if I'm if I'm working with Urban Aphrodite, we always rehearse up there. Mm -hmm. But then my circle of friends, we tend to go out for a beer, or if we go if we go out for a drink. It's likely to be either Sasha's or Oscar's or somewhere around the French concession. All right. um, I live very close to Changshu Lu mm. um, Metro. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so I'm down around there. And then, um, yeah, I'm often along Anfulu. I, I lived on Anfulu, um, moved just recently. But, yeah, down around there is, is mainly my haunts. So let me ask you a few uh, quirky questions. Mm -hmm. um, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? Now, isn't it funny? I asked my acting class that. Mm -hmm. If I was an animal, I would probably like to be something like a leopard. Oh, wow. That's a beautiful Just animal. Yeah, they're beautiful animals, power, mm. um, and such grace mm. um, in their movements. Um, and, yeah, such an authoritative animal. Um, if so you, if, probably that. If you were a 
place somewhere in the world, a specific place. I know you've traveled, mm -hmm. you were born in England, you moved to New Zealand, yep. you sailed a little bit all over Asia. Yep. You, you told me about a, a, a big Hong Kong storm. Uh, yes. And you told me fantastic stories. But if you have to pick a, a special place, a special uh, location in your life that is, you know, you cherish, mm -hmm. what would that be? Well, funnily enough, at Canberra, in Australia, the, hmm. the capital of Australia. Um, I was seconded across to the Australian Defence Force um, and I had two and a half years over there. And I loved Canberra hmm. for whatever reason. It was It's a small enough city. It's only 300,000 people. Okay. If you really wanted the big city life, Sydney was Sydney. only up mm -hmm. the road or Melbourne down the road. Hmm. And then you could go out there, do your stuff, and then go back and relax in Canberra. Hmm. Outside of that, and I think I made mention of it there, um, the most amazing place I've ever been to was Antarctica. Oh wow! Yes, you that. mentioned that you uh, that was uh, you, you were told the best moment, yes. one of the best moments of your yeah. life, anyway, was being told that you'd been selected for a tour of duty yeah. to the New Zealand base yes. of an, in Antarctica, yeah. down to Scott Base. Wow! And just honestly, I I can see it now when we when we landed, mm. right. You can only they you fly they fly you down there. All right. Um, you can only fly on good weather, um, because if the weather closes in down at McMurdo Sound, where they where they, where they land, because we fly down with the Americans, the Americans have got their base at McMurdo. If the weather clags in, then you, the plane turns around and goes back to New Zealand because you just it's, it's too too unsafe. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, as we know, Air New Zealand lost a DC eight on Mount Erebus down there back in 1979, which was very, very tragic. Um, and so you always land on a beautiful day. Mm. And I got off the plane and they land on the sea ice, right? And I walked around the back of the plane to go and get my bags out of the hold. And as I walked around the back, there was McMurdo Sound laid out in front of me. The Transantarctic Mountains in the distance in blues and whites and black rock and this amazing azure blue sky and i just stopped and went wow <laughs> it really was that moment it was just amazing this white sea ice that just goes on forever and it seems that the horizons down there seem a lot further mm. maybe because it's on the ice and it's you know yeah, um, yeah. you can see so much further on the ice but yeah i thought wow what a place to be and i had five months down there um, and I loved it so much that the next year I took my Christmas leave and I went back to Antarctica oh, wow. on leave to help dismantle a drilling rig. Okay. They had a drill rig. The seas and I was there. They were drilling into the, into the sea floor of McMurdo Sound, taking core samples to look at the sediment and look at the history, really. Mm. And when they finished their drilling program, it was really too late to be safe to have people out there dismantling the rig. Okay. So they left it there. I thought, okay, well, if the, if the rig falls through the, the ice, well, then that's it. That's it. But if not, we'll put a team down there next year and we'll go and dismantle it. So I was lucky enough to be selected to go mm. down as one of the demolition crew. Okay. So <laughs> Uncle David with the D4 bulldozer. <laughs> David, take out that building. No problem. <laughs> Just had yeah, three weeks. Okay. Uh, oh, it was amazing. And it was so nice to go back. Mm. You know, and I would go back there tomorrow. Oh, wow. Just an amazing, amazing country. All right. All right. And my next question is, mm -hmm. if you were a book or a piece of, any piece of art, I have thought about a book, but it could be anything. Right. It'd be a painting, a piece of music, a sculpture, or something yeah. that... I would be a piece of music. All right. 
Yeah. Music is, is one of my very, very strong passions. Mm -hmm. I don't play an instrument. And, and I think that's because I just don't have that dexterity in my hands and my fingers. My sister got all that. <laughs> um, and so, but I love singing and I just love music. Mm. So I would be a piece of music. Is there any artist or piece of music you're thinking well, of at the moment, or is, is it too... I love Neil Diamond. I, mm. I grew up with Neil Diamond. He was the first person I ever saw in concert mm. in New Zealand back in 1972. Well, that's an experience. Yeah, mm. and, and I just fell in love with him. Um, and I, I'm sorry for you folks, but I love John Denver. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people don't. Um, I've always loved John's music. Um, and yeah, I, and I can get carried away in, in John Denver's music. So I would be a piece of music. Wow. Yeah. Um, let's move on to uh, your current uh, projects mm -hmm. because you're working on many things. Yes. Uh, and uh, you just told me uh, that you were going to be part of a French play. Yes. Uh, in English, of course, but yep. a French play from the very famous Molière. Molière. Yeah. Um, and it's called The Learned Ladies. Yep. And I just realized when we were just mentioning that before the podcast that I've I've never seen a, a Moliere right. play in English. So how did you approach uh, how did you approach it? How did you approach it? have you started rehearsing or? we have um, we're only in early days actually and we open in mid June. Okay. At the Pearl. At the Pearl. So yeah. uh, for those who are listening, the Pearl, mark your calendars, 18th to the twenty second. Eighteenth to the twenty second. I'm sure that I'm pretty sure those dates are correct. Okay. Yep. So at the Pearl, if you're not sure, check out shanghaicomedy.com yeah. and I'll update the details yeah. just in case. Yeah. Yes, I play Ariste. Um, I play um, Crizale's brother. Mm -hmm. Okay, the Crizale, he's, he's basically the lead, the lead male. Um, and his very um, demanding wife um, <laughs> going to be played brilliantly by Mirren. Um, mm -hmm. But that's that's um, beside that. Um, but yes, yeah, so I have a relatively small part in this um, okay. as the brother. Um, it's a supporting role, but it's it's a lovely little role. Um, at the moment, how do we approach it? We're really at the moment just coming to grips with the text, mm -hmm. just getting the text because some of it, as you say, is translated. Um, some of it's quite a mouthful, mm. you know. And to, to get our mouth around it, because when did Molière live? Yeah. Back 16, then, sixteen, you know, sort yeah. of, kind of around Shakespeare's <laughs> yeah, day, yeah, just after Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. So, and so, getting our head around his text, his language. Um, yes. Then, once we've done that, then we can start up and start mm -hmm. stand up, I should say, and start mm -hmm. moving. Um, and at the moment, we just have some really cool read-throughs mm -hmm. and just, yeah, just playing with the words and playing with the text. So you're doing this with uh, which company? This is with East West. Okay. East West Theatre. Uh, mm -hmm. They're putting it on. Um, so, yes, Fiona's uh, mounting that one up and um, a guy, David Johansson's directing. Okay. Um, so looking forward to it. Um, um, it's going to be fun to work with him. Mm -hmm. um, and, yes, we have, a very, we have a very eclectic cast, actually. All right. Um, we've got people, like we have an Indian Mm -hmm. um, we have um, a very um, African, a, a very dark African man. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. He's, he's got a beautiful voice. Um, so there's a real mixture of nationalities. Um, there are a couple of French people in there. And so challenge for them to be doing yeah, Molière must, in English. I must imagine. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, but of course, then you get this beautiful French accent in mm. English. Mm. You know, so that adds a layer to it. 
Okay, that's yeah. that's. I'm really looking forward to mm. it. Um, so mark your calendars, yep. mid June, mid June, eighteenth to the twenty second. Uh, the Learned Ladies yep. at the Pearl at Theater. The Pearl, the Pearl, Pearl Theater, Theater. If you don't know where the Pearl Theater is, it's very simple. You just take Line Ten. Uh, it's like three stops north of. Nanjing Lu, yeah. and it's called North Sichuan Road. That's right. Sichuan yes. Bay Lu. It's yeah. exit two, and it's literally two minutes away, two minutes. walking time yeah. from the station. And it used a- to be called Chinatown for those of you who yes. may have been in Shanghai a few years. Yeah. Was Chinatown up until about four years ago when it closed? Closed down for for a while yeah. and reopened recently. Now it's been reopened as the Pearl. And as the Pearl. So yeah. go see there. And I cannot encourage you enough to mm. go and check out what, what else is going on the mm. Pearl. There's tons of things going on. Music yeah. and stage plays. And, and it's a fabulous venue. It's a fabulous venue. It's a you know, sort of The old burlesque yeah. sort of cabaret. Yeah. You, you don't sit in the audience as such like you do in a theater. You're sitting mm. at your table. Yeah. So you can drink and eat and watch the show mm. as you go. And you really feel like you're part of yeah. the show. Yeah. So, so. Um, And that'll be the first time that I've performed there, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to being on stage over there. That's going to be a lovely experience. Um, to finish uh, this uh, wonderful interview, mm-hmm. I'm so glad we've had this time together. Oh, so I. Thank I'd, you. Like, I'd like to ask you a question because mm-hmm. you kind of um, eluded my my question in, mm. in the preparation to the podcast, and you said you don't have any quirks. Yes, and I do. And now, you say you're a perfectly rational man. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I'm going to disclose something here, <laughs> but I've spent enough time <laughs> with good old Dave here to tell you that he does have quirks. Have He's quirks. a quirky little man. Right. And I and I like our listeners to, to 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 know more a little bit more about. It. So okay. can you reveal well actually one I, of I, your quirks? I was thinking about that actually <laughs> and I thought well there is one quirk. I like instant coffee. Okay. Now, oh wow. Some people are oh you heathen. <laughs> How can you drink Nescafe when there's all this beautiful blending of I like Nescafe. You like Nescafe. I just love instant coffee. Um, I'm, well, I'm you an must be so happy in China. Yeah. Oh, look, <laughs> yes. Paradise for me on doing that. So, yeah, so I do love that. I, I love instant coffee. It's All right. stupid. I love, I love being able to, and along the coffee theme, we've just moved uh, apartments and we now have a little patio Ooh. out the back. And do you know what? It's just bliss mm. to get up make a cup of coffee and go and sit outside especially this time of year yeah yeah before right. it gets too hot and it'd be you know even when it was a bit cooler mm. um but I, I know the air in shanghai is not air half the time um, <laughs> but just to be able to sit outside on a sunny day on a saturday mm. morning Definitely. Uh, that's lovely i am a wilderness person mm. i really decided that um which you would say, then what on earth am I doing in <laughs> Shanghai? Well, it's and wild I, in a different me, in a yeah, different way. <laughs> I, I mean, this is why I loved Antarctica. Mm. The openness, the nothingness mm. of Antarctica when you're out on the ice. I love being in a desert. I loved it at sea. Yeah. When you're out on the ocean and vast stretches yeah. of uniform yeah, landscape. We were, I completely understand you. Yeah, and so I really am that. And so I would like to settle. Um, I think you're going to ask me about my retirement. Mm. I've got a three-year-old daughter. I ain't retiring <laughs> until until they nail that lid back down on the coffin. That's good. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to be working for the next thirty years now to support my darling, darling daughter, and she is the most amazing little yes, package. I've 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 had the the luck and yes. the honour of meeting the little yeah, princess. Yeah, she was your your mascot for was, um, universal she, language. She was, and uh, I I fell in love yep. immediately. I was yep. in love. 
and it's and impossible she's, not to. Yeah, and she's she's doing well. She mm. really is doing well. She tires me out. Um, <laughs> as you know, I'm I'm older now, so she came along a little bit later than I would have liked. Mm. But now that she's here, how can you ever not want to have someone like her in I your know, life? I know. She's just an amazing little bundle of fun. Yeah. She with is. an attitude, my oh, she, <laughs> Daddy, she says, no, Daddy, I'm angry, Daddy. <laughs> she, oh, she's really got attitude, but hey, I'm all for that. Yes, that's, she's going to be a strong, great. independent yeah. person. Yeah, so yeah, so so I've got her in my life, um, and my lovely wife Lani, um, and and it's fantastic. Um, yes, I, it's really really nice to have the three of us together. Well, I wish you. Um, uh, a good life in Thank here, you. and I'm sure we're going to do things together in the future. I um, certainly hope I'm so. I'm planning to, yeah. and we're we're hoping so. Yeah. So for those of you who haven't seen Earl, uh, David, sorry, I said Earl, David on stage, go and see the Learned Ladies yes. at the Pearl Theatre on the 18th uh, of June. June to the 22nd. Yeah. And check out anything that East West or Urban Aphrodite or putting yeah. on because Dave is sure to be part of it. Yeah. Some, some Urban Aphrodite's got a very busy season coming up. They're doing yeah. five course for love now. Yeah. I know that Anne's got about another five or six plays for this 2014, 2015 season yeah. um, uh, after the summer. Mm. So there'll be lots of good stuff. And yes, hopefully I will be able to be part of that. Um, I'm planning on staying in Shanghai probably another 12 months now. Mm -hmm. I was looking at going, but there's some things happening here. And it's yes. sort of, Shanghai pulls you in yeah, more than yeah, once and yeah well and especially in the theater and, and doing this drama teaching that's yeah. sort of a good reason to stay yeah you know so i look forward to yeah and I, i'd love to uh, i'd love to be on stage with you yes let's do and, something well yeah and i know you keep telling me to come along and do a bit of improv <laughs> twist my arm keep twisting my arm uh, well, and i am get me, um I, I must get along to one of your open mics yes yeah come, come to the to open that. mics for stand-up yeah but also come to um um, the improv shows, and, yeah. I'm, and I'm sure we'll be more yeah. than happy. The team will be more than happy to, oh, to welcome to. you. Yeah, and, um, but and I, I just, I literally have been so, so busy. Um, oh, are you going to be part of the May May 31st storytelling event? Another Mama Gusha storytelling ah, well, event? Well, I don't know yet. Okay, um, I, I haven't thought that far ahead. I'd like to. I mm. enjoyed the last time. Mm. I thought it was a, it's a great thing to do. Yes. So yes, I'd like to be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So mark your calendars too. May 31st, Mama uh, Gusha. Uh, storytelling uh, you'll find all the details on shanghaicomedycorner.com yeah. thank you Dave thank you Julian and uh, see we're, you we're shaking hands we're now, shaking hands yeah. right now you yeah. can't see it but it's happening <laughs> <laughs> thank you and see you okay. soon I will yes thank you and as JP said in yes. Willy Wonka yes keep it classic Shanghai keep it classic Shanghai see you next week with Tammy Imick bye bye okay bye bye <laughs>